All right, all right, all right. What's up, my friends? Michael Gebbin here, your mind mechanic, to bring you another episode of The Wealthy Creator Show, where every week I dive in and dig deep one-on-one into the minds of creators to see what is holding them back from living a wealthy life, both personally and professionally. So every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, inside the How to Become a Wealthy Content Creator Facebook group, I go live. So it is free to join that group, and you can join that group by going to Facebook and searching how to become a wealthy content creator and clicking join. So if you'd like to be coached like the creators on these episodes, just click the Zoom link on the Facebook Live and join in. Let's rock and roll, my friends. Here we go. When is enough enough in the term of like, um, I kind of value like success around like tangible results and stuff like like numbers or... um, like if I get like this many emails out, okay, that's success. Or if I get this many responses, that's success. Mm-hmm. But some days I'll like go the whole day or something, bust out like X amount of emails, this many replies, and like nothing really turns into a tangible success or like a true lead or something like that. So I'll like keep going, keep going, keep going. And the next thing I know, it's like 3 a.m. And I'm like, holy shit, I got to like still like I haven't even worked out today or I haven't even like eaten lunch. You know what I mean? Like I just get so locked in and sucked in that I'm like, when, when, how do I just convince my brain or wrap my head around? Like, dude, just like, you're good. Like, I don't know, take five. It's a practice again. I mean, you know, the first, I don't know. I, I think Samir asked on our jump circles session last week about, do you need to experience some version of rock bottom? Um, I don't rock bottoms perspective and opinion to each individual, what they might consider. Someone might consider something rock bottom and somebody else looks at it like, are you kidding me? That's nothing, you know? And, um, I do believe in contrast and, and pain can be a great thing, but, uh, when anchored properly. Um, and so for me, I didn't have, you know, when I started my company and, and opened my doors officially on May 1st of 2006, um, I had no other prior, like I didn't have 10 years of experience prior to that, right? I was a kid, I was in high school and grade school. Um, and then I went forward doing the best that I knew what to do. And I had psychological and certain levels of pressure to perform for, to take care of my parents. I wanted to do that. And, you know, they had co-signed on some things and, and just this stuff that I created that no one really else necessarily did it. I, I did it. So I created this pressure and I had that kind of like, seven days a week, you know, I would, I lived in my parents' house for the first like year. I mean, I would go to bed. I would go home when they were in bed already. I would wake up when they were already gone. I lived in the house. I hardly saw them. And, uh, over that time, you know, um, what happened is that by about 2012, I was able to look back from 2006 to 2011. And although business-wide I had gained a lot of success, to your external metrics of results that you may or may not be looking at. And uh, internally, 2010 and 11 were the most miserable years of my life, mm-hmm. um, yeah. personally. And um, so the financial, the business success was, was not giving me personal fulfillment. Right. Um, and those next years after, and really it's never changed, it's kind of been the conversation on when you popped in about mindset not being this checkbox that I check off and then it's done for the week or the day, um, but rather just an overarching practice throughout every day, um, is that there was a lot of pain for the way I achieved success in those first years from the 
um, relationships being burned and just different things. And the way I felt that um, I really didn't want to feel that way anymore. Yeah. And that's where it was rock bottom. Some people think rock bottom. I lost all my money. I lost my house. I lost my cars. And we have this rock bottom is this like just losing everything. But for me, there was just, I didn't technically in those aspects from again, result external triggers, lose everything. But emotionally I, I felt like shit. Right. Um, and I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And that drove me to seek out a different way um, and a different life. And, you know, from 2000, late 2012 through 2017, I walked with my, every day that I was in town from eight to eight forty-five, I would walk with my grandpa at the mall until he had some issues and couldn't do it anymore. But, um, you know, so that wasn't a business thing, but that was on my calendar as a time I couldn't book if I was in town, you know, I had jobs, a lot of my work that I made money ended up ultimately being travel. So I'd be gone four or five months out of the year over the course of the year. Um, but when I was in town, I would not schedule anything during that time. Uh, and a lot would go, well, that's not business. So if there's something, yeah, there might be exceptions for sure that I know this is somebody that's real difficult to get a hold of or something and I just need to do it. But that was not the norm. And so you know, right now, a lot of us, we're always just seeking pleasure. And so something else becomes more painful or we're sick and tired of it. We won't, it's harder to change. And so for you, until you're sick and tired of that, and it's really not working for you, you might, you're in a habit of doing it. And then at times you get out of it, but you just click back into that habit. And so for me, I've also deemed success is not any external triggers anymore right? So where are you basing and what are you coming up with that makes you go five emails that people out of 50 reply, that's success. But if you sent out, you know, 90 emails and only one reply, that's still not successful, right? I don't know what your metrics are. And we don't need to get into that right now. But like, you made that up. Right. So yeah. therefore, you can also change it. You, right. you can change it because it's some made up number that is fluid. It doesn't mean really anything. You've made, you've given it meaning. You've given yourself meaning that certain things have to happen for Connor to feel successful. And that's a shitty way to live life because the reality is when these things don't work out, what happens for you? Uh, I don't know. Just kind of what you're talking about. Just like. You don't you feel as good, right? In space. Yeah. You're like down and like. Yeah, and I think, like, for me, like, when that kind of happens is, like, I just, like, kind of avoid, I like, I avoid, like, the truth a little bit, you know what I mean? So, I'll, like, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And, like, dude, it's almost like, it's almost like a drug, <clears throat> sorry, it's almost yeah. like a drug analogy or something. Like, you just, like, keep, like, itching it, hoping that it'll, like, change or something, but it's, like, I don't know. Just there's like, a law, no, there, there's something out there that I've learned a lot about. It's the law of diminishing returns. You know, people work on an edit, let's say, and I, I, uh, I had two very similar projects. It was a course we had shot and more or less, you know, it was the same going to be kind of editing. There wasn't anything different, but one was four hours and one was five hours. I gave it to two different editors. The one who had the four hours of footage took 50, uh, 50 hours to complete it. And the person who had 15 hour, or five hours of footage took 15 hours to complete it. Now, in the normal sense of life and society and the way we're taught, you'd assume that the person who spent 50 hours did a better job. Right. But the reality was I had more problems with my client with the guy that spent 50 hours than the person that spent 15. 
Yeah. <laughs> like my client was moaning and complaining. We had all these changes and all this stuff. Yeah. Whereas all things were overall equal. So the discrepancies of creative choices, it's just like you would deem that the 50 should have been better and it wasn't. Um, and a lot of times in my career, I've also had things like with editors where I started to learn, just bringing up editing for an example, but um, I would feel it was complete. Now, could there be more done? There's always more that can be done on anything, right? I mean, if I wanted to, I mean, some of you, I have to be respectful, you know, because the reality is some of you might not leave. Like if I stayed on here for four and a half hours, some of you would stay on here for four and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I could keep talking. Like I, I've done it before. Uh, and so I, ha I have to at some point in time go, okay, you know, but even last week I went for two and a half because the conversation was just, it was going and, and it flows. I lose track of time. It is what it is, but you know, um, but so I had to find times of completion. And then what I had to find too, is that when I would go to my clients and say, but we still need to do this, this, and this, that that's what they then see. And there will be no not doing that. You've drawn attention to it now. It needs to be done. And what I found is, you know what? It's complete. It's, there's always a better, but that's an opinion. I had to realize it's an opinion. And so, cause somebody, five people could watch it. Three could love it. and Two could hate it just how it is. One could love it, four could hate it. It just, that's what I've seen in life. So I started to just submit things to my clients and let them tell me what's wrong. If anything, I don't even say, here it is, tell me what's wrong. I just, here it is. And then over the years of having that kind of approach, for almost eight years of doing it that way, 5% or less did I have past when I say revisions, I don't mean changes in an edit. I just mean uploads. And mm -hmm. so um, for us, things were never too crazy. So for the edits that we would do, so it would just be like we send them one. They might have some changes, three or four things we change, not a huge deal. We upload it. That's number two. They might have a few changes. We upload number three. The amount of people that went past number one, like I would probably have 60 to 70% of my clients would not go past edit one. They're mm -hmm. happy with it. Then there was probably 25% get us up somewhere to the 90 percentile, that 20, 25% where um, they'd have maybe one or two uploads that we would do. And then less than 5% would we go past three uploads where I'm like on four or five, six or seven and, yeah. and making a lot of changes. But that was the minority by, by far. And even one client who I did stuff with, who did stuff with other videographers, the same kind of project in prior years that we got a ton of changes. And uh, the irony was I realized when I worked with them that they were the actual one that had all the changes because, but then they also had clients having changes because what they were doing is they would submit the edit and go, here it is. Let us know what you think's wrong with it. What changes you want made. And when people think they're paying for changes, they will want change. And what I said is, I'm like, just submit it. Don't tell them anything. Just give it to them. And what we found is the clients themselves didn't have hardly any changes ever. My client, the in-between person, was the one wanting to nitpick the bejesus yeah. out of it. Um, so it was a fascinating thing. But even with them, not only were they doing it, they were having their clients prior to me coming along when I'm like, well, don't submit it asking for change, like submit it, um, just as is. And so right. 
it's, it's a powerful thing to shift that perspective to realize that you've made up these numbers and these numbers only mean stuff to you. And if you want them to mean something different or you want to change that meaning for success for me is doing something, not giving up, not quitting, you know, failure will happen. Mistakes will happen, but can you learn? Can you, can you, uh, find the good in it? You know, those are the things I try to do. So unless I'm literally just giving up, quitting and stopping and doing nothing and, and, and that's it for me, whatever I can put in each day, I feel like it's success. Cause I, I think if, if success is someday, then tell me Connor, if success is someday, then what are you leading up to that, that whole time? Um, uh just like going along the road for for that goal or but are you not successful if, um, if your success is someday yeah, then yeah. what are you in the interim i get yeah that's a really good question uh, i've honestly never really thought about that i guess like I obviously guess well what are you when you don't when you have to keep going what are you when you what are you feeling when you haven't hit some metric you've made up what are you what are you feeling are you feeling successful no like current, uh, yeah, no, not currently. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I have designed my life. Now, is it perfect? Do I not have down days and things? I don't want to stand on a pedestal, Connor, and act like, oh, every day is perfect for me, man. I never have problems. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but again, it's, is it the majority or the minority? And that's what to look at as well. Do these kind of days start to run in, does a day turn into a week, turn into a month where like the majority of the month you really didn't feel very successful? Or is it just a little bit? And that's a big dis distinction for me. I don't want to uh, think necessarily, and, and that's probably why it happens too. I mean, maybe when I shift that thinking, it'll, it'll be one step forward. But like I realize I live in the world with people, right? And I don't live out in the woods by myself with zero interaction with human, you know, the human world or the internet or anything. I deal with people. And inherently, people got different views, different thoughts, different this, uh, whatever. And so at times, there will be things that might trigger me or throw me off or I've expelled so much energy that now I'm just exhausted and now I've got a short fuse. Like, it happens, but I'm able to catch myself more where it's not like, like even my wife and I might have a little fight or something. I mean, sometimes, I mean, it, stuff would turn into a week of just like kind of being whatever towards each other. Um, mm -hmm. Now it doesn't even go through the end of the day usually. And we're able to say sorry mm -hmm. and I was off a little bit and whatever and we're able to have that empathy and understanding. So for me, I just want to live the majority of the time being happy, being successful, feeling good about myself, feeling good about what I'm doing and good about the day, all these things rather than having very you know, metrics that, you know, are evident flowing all the time. You know, like when business is great, I'm happy. But when business sucks, I'm not. It's like, if, if you're basing that, then when COVID and what just happened this past weekend, it's like, that's where this constant roller, extreme roller coaster of life. And if it works for you, well, then that's great. But it doesn't work for me. It's exhausting. And so for me, it's being able to recognize these things as they happen. And then as a byproduct, that allows me to be happy and joyful most of the time not necessarily all day, every day, but the majority, not the minority, right? Yeah. And so um, that's just what you've got to really take deep looks at. Are these things empowering you? That thought process right now seems to be disempowering, right? The idea of I have certain metrics I've made up and when I do not hit those external metrics, ultimately I don't feel good. And so what do I try to do? Like a drug, I keep taking the drug. I keep sending more messages and doing more, hoping that these triggers will get hit so that then I can feel good. And then what right. happens? You end up feeling worse because now you haven't worked out. You haven't done some of the other activities that bring you joy. 
and bring yeah, you happiness. Yeah. And so yeah. you just perpetuate the bad, right? It didn't work out because it didn't hit my trigger. So I do more of that thing. I'm still not hitting. And now I'm not doing the other things that make me happy. And you just perpetuate the bad versus realizing, I mean, I pretty much am religious using that as like people being convicted with something. Uh, I stop between five and six. There's always, there will always, <clears throat> always be more stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're a person, I'm a person. This group is full of people yeah. where there is an endless supply of new things to do, <laughs> new problems to solve. And so I finally came to terms with that and go, most things, you know, God forbid this pun's not very probably appropriate, but you know, most times things aren't burning down just to use the analogy, but they're not most times, right? Uh, metaphorically right. speaking, and they're not urgent. We make them urgent, but they're really not. Um, sometimes with clients, but that's more on you as well, right? Mm -hmm. Setting expectations with clients, communicating with clients so that you don't, when, you, when um, uh, one which one said it, but said about the control, the, I think it was Andrew who was talking about control. Um, and that idea of allowing your clients to control you right. is you mismanaging clients and not taking any control, right? Allowing them to call you any time of the day or this, or that. It's like I set boundaries. Like with my coaching clients with Voxer, I've set boundaries, 24 to 48 hour typical response time, Monday through Friday, nine to five. You know, if you send me a message on Friday at 8 PM, the clock doesn't start till Monday. Um, and in just doing this, I mean, the most loving way I'm being a little, sometimes I'm a little aggressive when I talk here, but uh, everything comes out of love. And normally when I'm just dealing with somebody about something or a video client or, you know, with coaching, um, you know, I, I'm nice about it. I'm, I'm not aggressive or anything. I, and people respect that because actually it's what people want for themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be run all over and walked all over. So, I mean, I give a lot of myself and a lot of my time. Um, but those boundaries I've set of evenings and weekends um, are just my time and, and, and people respect it. And most people, their thing they need, you know, they don't need me to respond at nine o'clock at night. But if I do, I start to create that expectation. And then when you're aggravated about it, rather than be, should be aggravated at yourself, you're pissed off at your client for taking advantage. I got all these clients. They just take advantage <laughs> of me and they call me. That's on you. Right. Yeah, totally. And we don't want to take that responsibility. And if we do, that's your first step, anyone still listening, that's one of your first steps to, to control. You can control you. When you start to control you and your life and your days and your things and then set expectations to communicate with those around you, you'll stop being controlled by the outside world and your clients and other people all the time because you stand for something. But a lot of us, we don't stand for anything. We don't know what our day needs to look like. We don't know what we stand for. We don't know what we believe in. And then we just let everybody else dictate. And I'm talking about myself as well of my prior. I have less and less of it every day, but I used to be really hardcore just letting everybody in their, you know, brother and sister control everything about me. <laughs> and I was very weak. And uh, that made me very not happy a lot. So, yeah. Cool. I really appreciate that, man. That was cool. Cool, buddy. Hey, I appreciate you being on here. I appreciate everybody who's coming on here. I respect all of you that you take. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't get on the other Zooms. So I don't know how many people are actually on those things, but I really respect that, you know, five to 10 people are showing up to a mindset call, as we're calling it, mindset <laughs> and energy call, <clears throat> spending almost two hours uh, on yourselves, you know, each week. Uh, it says a lot. I know your lives will massively be shifted uh, as a byproduct of doing that more 
which I love Paul and the program and everything else more than any uh, commercial campaign or ad or Facebook thing or anything else. And not just because of me, but simply because of this work, um, the willingness to do this work on oneself. It's just, it's made a huge difference in my life and those that I've worked with and that, um, uh, my family and, and friends, it's just, it's, it's amazing to see the shifts that have been made. And even in people who I could have argued, I definitely use the word, um, they'll never change. And yet it's just, completely completely different uh, <laughs> so you know it's uh it's pretty powerful so appreciate your brother yeah absolutely appreciate you too oh man Keep me posted. 